Hello, and welcome to episode 18 of When Survival Looks Like Success. Today's episode is going to be one of those hard but necessary topics to cover to provide conversation and healing surrounding a topic, well, topics that can get really hush-hushed. And to cover this sensitive topic, we have birthing doula and educator Brianna from Be Rooted Wellness here to help me with today's conversation. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So I think at some point or another in a woman's life, we face this idea or stigma or straight up conversation that we are supposed to have a baby. Mm -hmm. I mean, biologically, our bodies are designed to be able to make this happen on some level, but that's not always how it goes. I just never got pregnant. It just never happened, whether I used protection or not. And for a long time, I didn't. It just never happened. And I never craved it either. So I never went aggressive with trying. My life just never seemed to line up. But the years passed. And by my 30s, I grieved that loss of not having a child. I felt almost like less of a woman. And I, you know, maybe that's silly to say, but I think a lot of women go through that, especially by their their mid 30s. I'm about to be 36 now, and I can't imagine starting a family at this age. It's definitely not in the cards for me. But I remember a few times sitting at that gyno office and just sobbing, listening to an ultrasound in the next room, thinking, that's never going to be me. So I can't fathom what it's like for someone who wants it so badly, takes all the measures, tries and tries and tries, and it doesn't happen. So I want to talk about fertility challenges. What can you do as a friend or family member to support someone going through a fertility challenge? Um, I think what's important is acknowledging it. You have some people that they might be a little nervous and might not address it, might not ask or mention it at all. So just asking what the mother or intended mother needs in that moment is helpful. So because everyone is different, um, she might say just, you know, I just need your presence. I don't need advice. I don't need words of wisdom or I need you to light a candle with me. So everyone is different. Um, everyone practices, you know, different belief systems and ha- might have different rituals. So just asking, what is it that I can do for you in this moment? I think a lot of times we get stuck on wanting to offer advice because we feel helpless and we don't say often just, I feel helpless and I don't know what to do to offer help. So instead we do that, have you tried? And I do the, have you tried too, but it's more like in a professional stance, because, like with my clients, because they're there and they're paying me. That's a little different. Mm-hmm. But I, I see a lot of times people do the, have you tried? Well, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? For the the mother that's, well, for the woman that's trying to become a mother, she's tried it. <laughs> she's trying all kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. And she might not want to be pelted with the, have you tried from every woman she meets on the planet. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I get that. I think it's okay as a friend or family member to just say, you know what, I feel a little helpless in this situation, but I want you to know, like, I love you and support you and whatever you need, like, I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's just enough just to know someone's there for them without even being able to offer something concrete. Mm Mm-hmm. 
lending a listening ear, lending a shoulder for the intended mother to cry on, just a hug and embrace to let her know that this is a safe place. I think those are, that can go a long way. It can. Like emotion, emotional support. Emotional support is something so undervalued, but it's so comforting. Mm-hmm. It's something that can just feel warm and feel like it's available. And not even that they have to use it. I think a lot of people, we don't use all of our emotional support available. Or we feel nervous about asking for help. Or we feel we're inconveniencing someone by asking for help. But still just keep offering it. It doesn't have to be something physical or tangible. Just offer it. Don't feel afraid to do that. And I think a lot of times people speak prematurely. They don't know what to say. It might say the wrong thing. Or they're scared to say the wrong thing. I think that happens quite often. Mm -hmm. We're scared to say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. This can be detrimental, particularly if someone has experienced a miscarriage, which is common in high-risk situations and first-time pregnancies. So when it comes to miscarriages, what are some factors that women should consider afterwards And what are some personal care recommendations you have for them as they're processing this loss? Can you ask the first question again? Because I want to make sure that I give you the right answer. Mm -hmm. When it comes to miscarriages, what are some factors that women should consider afterwards? And what are some personal care recommendations you have for them as they are processing this loss? So for the first question, um, I think someone should go, I um, I always tell people to go back to your care provider, you know, because as a doula, I am not a medical professional. So um, you can go to your care provider and get um, your blood drawn to see what your vitamin levels are like, electrolyte um, levels, your hormone levels, um, because that could tell um, a lot about what's happening. Sometimes with miscarriages, it's not always something that a mother did um, wrong. It could be just the baby just wasn't developing properly and the body recognized it and just stopped the development process. Um, It's not always age. It's not always diet related. It could just be hormonal. So some women have PCOS and that um, some of them... um, just experience loss as, you know, as hard and devastating as it is. Um, I think it's more common than we like to believe with um, in the pregnancy world. I think a lot of times, too, we don't understand the homeostasis of our bodies the way we need to. They're like a blueprint. And there's so many factors that go into that. And the more you understand where you are at, especially when something devastating happens, it's valuable. Don't take no for an answer. Get the answers that you feel comfortable with. So after someone has experienced a loss like that, what kind of recommendations do you have for for that woman? So to find some kind of practice self-care. So that can look like going to get a massage. That could look like just um, taking a um, herbal bath. It could be just prayer, uh, meditation sessions. It could be going to the spa and being around other women. Just practicing love, um, self-love. Um, a mother, I always say, if you want, we could um, 
Barry, if you have ultrasound pictures or some kind of maybe a baby onesie that you purchased while you were pregnant, we could bury it. We can do balloon releases. Um, it's a lot that a mother can do. Rituals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, funerals. Yes. The grieving. I think the grieving process is something that more often than not, we don't necessarily do with miscarriages. And it's something that we should can I get personal? Of course you can. So um, a few months ago, I suffered from or I went through a miscarriage and I didn't know really how to feel. It was my second one, but it was it was different this time. Um, it's crazy. I, the week before I saw the heartbeat, I, I saw it on the monitor. I heard it with my ears. And a week later to hear that there's no more heartbeat, it's just like, OK, my heart literally broke in half. And so I cried naturally and my father actually called me and he was just insensitive in a way and said, how are you attached? You weren't that far along or, you know, you never met that baby. And it's just like, how are you crying? How are you sad? And it's like, that broke my heart even more mm-hmm. where it's just like, okay, maybe I need to toughen up. But, um, it's hard, and it's like all I wanted was to grieve and um, grieve in, in peace, to feel that pain, to feel that heartbreak, so that I can heal and try again. And maybe you don't need to toughen up. Yeah, I think that's one of the things. Like going back to the last episode, which if you haven't listened to it, go listen. But going back to that last episode. You can't assume someone else's pain. That's right. Everyone's pain is individual and unique. And sometimes you don't need to toughen up. Sometimes you need to soften down and just let it occur. Oh, that's powerful. Say that again, please. What did I just say? You don't need to soften up. Oh, you don't need to uh, toughen up. You might need to soften up. That that is powerful. To, yeah, you don't need to toughen up. Sometimes you just need to soften down and let it occur. Yes. I don't remember what I'm saying as I say it because I'm on, okay. I'm on a new medication that makes me foggy. So things I say just come out and don't ask me to remember. What it's okay. That was powerful and You'll my spirit it. needed to hear that. So thank you for for that word. It's true. But it's true. There's, we have a certain mindset about, and I think it's, you know, I haven't been to a lot of all their other cultures. I'm, you know, I'm American. Here I am. That's where it is. About this inst, about this rebuild, this instant build. Let's demolish something and build it new. Let's demolish something and build it new. Like, damn, like, let's just let it be. Let's let some trees grow up, right? Let's take some time. Let's take some time. Let's let some wildflowers fill in. I think that's a part of like our fast-paced, hard lifestyle where it's just like you always have to be doing something. You always have to move on. But it's okay to slow down. It's okay to take a moment. It's it's okay. The theme, my theme for this year, which I haven't um, been spectacular at, but work in progress, was about allowing and not forcing. Okay. And I think that's something that, especially when it comes to like a miscarriage, you need to allow your progress to occur and not force your progress to occur. 
you need to allow your grief to occur and not force that to occur. That makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of times, when let's say we're in the age of like social media, you might see other people going through other things and you might want to mimic that. You might want to do something that, I don't know, you might compare yourself to someone else's journey or progress or process and it's not necessarily for you. No, it's, we don't have, we can have similar experiences, but not have these parallel journeys. We are not running on the same line. This isn't a horse race. We're not in the tracks with our blinders on. I know sometimes I'll pop up my Facebook and it looks like that. Mm -hmm. But, (laughs) but at the end of the day, it's not, we have the choice to go off the track. Don't think you have to stay on that. That is not, you are not designed to be on this trajectory you have the ability to choose your own trajectory and to go at the pace you need to go at and inform people at the pace you need to inform it that's another thing too if you've had a miscarriage you don't need to announce to everybody right away like by the way i just had a miscarriage you know no you don't have to do that either you can choose to disclose publicly you can choose to disclose privately You can have somebody else say something. You can have an advocate say something or someone say something on behalf. There's not going to be a right or wrong way. It has to feel organic and comfortable to you. That's right. I I remember I told my family because I was excited, you know, to find out I was pregnant. Told everybody almost immediately. I, I probably was like four or five weeks and I was too embarrassed and I'm, I know that's inappropriate to say I was embarrassed, but I couldn't face them to tell them, like, okay, I lost the baby. So I had, you know, one of my dearest aunts tell my family because I couldn't bring myself to form that sentence. It was hard, but I I had um, my husband, he was supportive. And again, my aunt, she was supportive. So, yeah, take your time. Take your time. And do it in the way you need to do it. And I think there's something to be said about when you do get, right, you're excited when you're pregnant. And I kind of hate that there is this old adage, which that is going to be the next question, but there is this old adage about waiting 12 weeks, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and like I said, the pregnancy thing never happened for me, but I mean, if I was like three minutes pregnant, I'd be like calling people. (laughs) There'd be like shit on Facebook. (laughs) Like there'd be like a banner up at work. I'd be like, dude, I'm pregnant and I want you to start giving me things now. Like (laughs) I want money. Like (laughs) I want to go shopping. I want to buy, you know, I want stuff. Pick a crib out, decorate the room. All of that. Yes. I want all that shit. Now I I want babysitting scheduled for the next two years. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think. And so when it comes to and there's nothing wrong with being super freaking excited and like telling people that's something that, you know, expecting mothers should be entitled to. And so when it comes to if you've lost that, you're losing. It's more than just losing a baby. You're losing that hope. You're losing that emotion. You're losing that excitement. You're grieving so you're grieving this whole experience Mm -hmm. and everything that went into that and the thoughts and the ideas in the future. And so like whatever way you need to feel, just feel it and allow things to unravel as they need to. So another factor that is hard to admit is that not all pregnancies are happy. 
I think when someone says they're pregnant, and I've been guilty of this, and I've caught myself, and I've done much better over the years, and I don't do it anymore for the most part, but people will just automatically have a tendency to shout out, congratulations. But let's be real. There are numerous circumstances where people can be going through with their pregnancy, but certainly not feeling all the pangs of joy. You know, we have instances with rape. We have instances with abuse, incest, molestation, um, just unexpected or unwanted pregnancies, maybe like later in the game. Uh, maybe they're further along than they realize. They're not comfortable. Maybe you're not comfortable with abortion. Maybe it's an issue with religion. Maybe it's, I mean, I, I could list financial. Mm-hmm. There is a million circumstances that you could list that someone wouldn't necessarily be happy they're pregnant. Failing marriage. I, I mean, I don't know. We could be here all day. So what are some adages or traditions that you need? You think we need to break in this modern age of women? Whew. I feel like there's a lot. It is. Oh, I'm thinking. I want to say the right one. I know for I know for a fact that like, okay, let's go back to that first example, that congratulations mm-hmm. thing, right? <laughs> like, if someone says they're pregnant, wait for their response. <laughs> Read the room. Read the room. I, yeah. <laughs> so you can see if mother is overjoyed, then I think it's safe to say congratulations. But if she seems down or maybe irritated or whatever, then you can ask, how are you feeling about this? Are how we, do you feel yeah, about that? Are we happy about this? Are we happy about this? Yeah. So. Well, yeah. What are What is your opinion on this? Just ask. Because mm-hmm. when you assume, you make an ass out of you and them. Yeah. So If you're absolutely at a loss for it, you can be like, oh, and? <laughs> like, just... A simple oh and and let them finish the sentence. Yeah, but don't insert, don't insert Mm because there's a lot of 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 scary pregnancies. Like I remember this girl that was in a grocery store one time, and she'd have been like, oh, 16, 15, 16. She was young, and she was mm, I'm gonna say like maybe rolling in her second trimester, like just Mm -hmm. rolling in, like that bump was just settling, and. An older woman walked up to her and said, oh, you're pregnant. Congratulations. This girl just started bawling. Bawling. Like choke sobbing on the floor. And the older woman just got uncomfortable and kind of walked away. And it's like you can't always assume that something, you know, maybe someone's decided to give up the baby. Yeah. There's another thing. Oh, here we go. Gender. (laughs) Are Are you having a boy or a girl? Now, to some degree with professionals, like, especially, like, professionals in our line of work, we might have certain things when it comes to, like, managing certain symptoms, um, certain, like, how you're feeling about that situation. That's a little bit different. But, like, automatically, like, are you doing a gender reveal? Are you finding out about the gender? How do you feel about the gender? Gender, gender, gender. Like, getting obsessed with that, especially in this day and age where... I mean, like, you know, you could change your gender at whatever age you want, apparently. So it's like, n- like getting overzealous, I think, about the gender is kind of one that it's like, is it really something we need to get, like, nuts about? I think people should just let the parents lead. If they yeah. mention it, roll with it. If they don't, mind your business. Same thing with baby showers. Mm-hmm. Where the, I've, I've heard where, like, maybe, like, a parent-in-law or an aunt or... A friend is like, I'm planning your baby shower, and this is what you're having, and this is what we're doing. And and then the mom-to-be is, like, stressed out about all that. Yeah. Baby showers are stressful, honestly. They're like a three-ring circus. <laughs> a little bit. 
And it's just like sometimes you have like the people that are planning it, they might be trying to live through you. And they're really mm-hmm. doing it for themselves, you know, self-serving purposes instead of just genuine, organic for the mother and father. So what advice do you have? I feel like this list can keep going. But so because this list can keep going and I feel like a lot of that has to do with people imprinting onto other people. What do you think is something someone can say to assert themselves without coming across like rude? Like maybe it's not aligning with their wishes. I'm I'm all about just being honest, you know, frankly, Um, not being disrespectful, not cursing and, you know, getting ugly, but speak your truth. There's no point in, you know, biting your tongue and being unhappy or miserable, especially if you're pregnant. That stress is the last thing that you want and your baby feels that. So, you you know, just say what you have to say um, to minimize that stress. If you want pizza at your baby shower, get the pizza at your baby shower. Say that. <laughs> if you don't want to open gifts in front of people, don't open gifts in front of people. If you don't want to discuss gender and you're like, oh, we're going to be surprised or it just doesn't matter to us or whatever, just be like, you know, that's not something I'm comfortable discussing. Boom. Like, yeah, I think the problem is people don't mind their business. Like a parent shouldn't have to explain their beliefs, their wants, like the why. It's just sometimes just like, again, let the parent lead and mind your business. If they don't want to involve you, they don't want to tell you, they don't have to. It's as simple as that. You can be inquisitive without being, like, nosy. (laughs) Be gentle. If you have gentle questions, I think a good thing is if you don't mind me asking, right? Mm -hmm. If Like, lead off in a way that doesn't feel like pressure or force for the the pregnant woman. Yeah. Like, be be gentle about it. And don't assume someone's pregnant. Can we just, like, just say that? Oh, my God. Holy crap. Especially if someone (laughs) did just lose a baby or say someone, like, hasn't lost the baby weight. Can we just, like, never go up to – oh, and – What if a mother has never had a baby and they're just maybe a little fluffy? Maybe they got a little extra. Yeah. I've I've witnessed that and it's like I have secondhand embarrassment now. And don't be touching people's stomachs. That's rude. Like, okay. I smack people's hands, (laughs) truthfully, because – did someone ever touch your stomach when you were oh, pregnant? Oh, yeah, tried to. Just, like, getting up in there? Strangers. And oh, it's just no. Like, I'll, I have to politely smack your hands away because I don't I don't like that transfer of energy. But that's me. Everyone is different. Some people don't mind. But and me, I know I where do. your hands have been. Mm-hmm. Ew. Yuck. Don't do that. Ugh. I can't believe people still... I know people still do that, but that's, like, yucky. Ew. People don't... Respect your boundaries. Yeah. yeah. Some people don't have boundaries, don't understand them. No. So... Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about is postpartum. Postpartum depression has made waves and drawn awareness in recent years. But what about postpartum anxiety, postpartum OCD, postpartum PMDD? How do you recommend people stay on top of their mental and mood states following the birth of their child? So it's important for your support team or so it can be your family, husband, um, you know, child's father, doula to um, understand like symptoms or signs and noticing if that mother has been experiencing or feeling a certain kind of way for, you know, two weeks or longer to say, you know what, I think you should talk to your doctor about this because sometimes um, you can, um, your doctor can prescribe medication if you believe in that um, or you can reach out to your therapist. But um, sometimes the mother might not recognize it herself just because she is 
wrapped up in baby, um, especially with a first time mother, because when a baby is born, a mother is born as well. So it's a lot going on. You know, everyone is transitioning. So having your loved ones recognizing or aware of um, symptom signs, causes, all of that can help. That could be a tremendous help. Another thing you can do is buy yourself a mood journal. So you can get a mood journal. They're really short. You can fill them out in 10 minutes or less a day. And that way you can look back on your own words. Mm -hmm. You can look back at something like on a scale of one to 10. You can look back on the four sentences that you wrote about that or what was the best part of your day or worst part of your day. Are you? And then notice over the course of a month or two months, are you starting to see some patterns? Are you starting to see a decline? Are you starting to see certain swings? Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that I think that people aren't doing enough or tracking enough that is a factor is getting hormone levels tested early enough. Let's see where those hormone levels are at six months. Let's see Mm -hmm. where they're at at nine months, at a year. Mm -hmm. Keeping on top of your hormone level testing to see, okay, is there anything really out of whack? And your vitamin levels, especially if you're breastfeeding. Oh, yeah. They'll get your vitamin levels tested. Like, people don't understand that sometimes, like, those macro and micronutrients, when there's deficiencies in there, they can really cause some, like, pretty intense personality swings. Yep. Like your B vitamins, magnesium, um, selenium, all of it. I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's going to help you as well. Um, And postpartum looks really different for different people. Kind of like I was saying, there's not just postpartum depression. There's a lot of other personality disorders and a lot of other mental issues that can occur. So it isn't just depression. And be mindful and be aware of that if something is out of the norm for you. I think that that is something to consider. Write yourself even a note or a letter. And if you're somebody that has a hard time staying on top of that, schedule with a postpartum coach. They do exist. Brianna does that. I do, I do. (laughs) So you can get a postpartum coach as well, or actually just set up your next four months of therapy appointments virtually. You don't even have to go in. A lot of therapists can do virtual, or you can do um, an online therapist as well, like via an app like BetterHelp or Talkspace or one of those. That's available to you as well. Any other suggestions you have? Just, um, again, like you said, keep taking those prenatal vitamins. Um, practice self-care um, because you once you kind of lose a little touch, you know, lose touch with yourself, it can kind of feel like you're going out of your mind. So just, you know, remember that you exist. You know, every I know some people focus all about baby, but like, and forget about the mother. So just practice self-care, practice self-love. You are not just so-and-so's mother. That's you right. are still the individual. Mm-hmm. That is important. And that is going to be important for the rest of your child's life. Like, don't forget that. You are still that strong individual and that child's going to be looking to you to be that individual for the rest of their life and model that after you. So it's important to maintain that identity. That's right. I want to thank you for coming on and discussing some of these hard topics. It is not easy. Thank you for sharing. Um, if we can help or provide comforts, even one person listening out there, it is completely worth it. I agree. If you need resources of any kind in your birthing plan, pre, post, please reach out to Brianna. And so please tell everyone how they can find you online. So my Instagram, Facebook, um, TikTok is the letter B dot rooted, R-O-O-T-E-D, wellness. Um, my website is berootedwellness.com. 
And as always, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at when survival looks like success. Take care, my friends.